Hello and welcome to For the Love of Truth. This is episode 234 and is another in the Back to Hell series. And my guests today are Tony and Alex. The subject of today's discussion is the effect of a low-carb and high-fat diet on diabetes, in particular type 1 diabetes. There's a lot of really good information in this episode where we're talking about the effect that carbohydrates and sugars have on the body and how easy it is and how effectively your body runs on alternative energy sources such as fats and proteins. So if you're interested in your health and you want to look at ways of really improving your energy and reducing the stress on your system, then there's all sorts of really good information in this episode. You guys are absolutely amazing and I'm looking forward to talking to you in the next video. Gentlemen, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me or us, I suppose is us, yeah. Good, great to be here. Mm, yeah, and talk twice in one week, Alex. I hope your wife understands. Yeah, she's all all right. Cool. Uh, she, she's a, she's happy at work. I thought today would be a good opportunity to get you guys together um, mm. to have a chat about diabetes and a low-fat, no, low-carb, high-fat diet. Definitely. Yeah, it's my first threesome, though, so go easy on me, Alex. <laughs> Stop it. Kids won't be able to watch. Kids won't be able to watch the show. Uh, um, it's interesting. Um, I think it's, you know, from my perspective, I've tried a, a, a range of um, different routines with, with regards to food. Um, so it'd be interesting to, you know, I watched um, your, your podcast, Tony, when you spoke with Adrian. And I thought it was brilliant, really, you know, and and there's an element of, um, you know, the information that you're giving, fantastic, how you sort of like, you know, turned it around and got yourself into, I would say, much fitter position, you know what I mean, much healthier position. And it, and it always seems strange to me that you're in this position where you're more healthy than you've ever been, but you probably couldn't be able to do the job that you did. I'm certainly more healthy than I, I ever was, I think. And mm. a bit like Adrian's experience, I, he, he's been uh, in that state for a lot longer than I have. But I think that the last six years, to not have to uh, endure any illness, really, I've not had a headache mm. or common cold or any illness, really, for the last six years. Mm. And that, that, that period of good health can't be coincidence or just rand randomness. There's something I've done, I've changed. That has really improved my level of health and my ability to fight disease, if you like. Yeah. Um, and I think this is a common, as, as, one, as you said in one of your um, discussions, um, there's this common thread where we're sort of finding ways of making ourselves healthy that tend to go against the general advice that most people are getting from the mainstream. Definitely. And the Definitely. more I talk to people like yourself and, and other people who've gone through this journey, Whilst the, all the journeys are not necessarily the same in terms of what they do in terms of diet, um, however, however they change their, their lifestyle, it mm. tends to go contrary to the, the sort of common perceptions of how to be healthy. Um, 100%. Mm. Yeah, yeah I, I, I totally agree. I'm just going to shut this door a second. I'm... That's good, isn't it? The first guy I talk to and he, he leaves me. <laughs> <laughs> And thank you, Tony. No, I totally agree, and um, and that is the the common the common thing that I that I see is everything that when, when I spoke um, uh, to Adrian on on Monday, I had a couple of eye infections that come up. I had uh, all blotches that come up on my leg as well, and these was at different times. Um, you know, through through the, the diabetes, you know, being diagnosed with diabetes, and, and realistically, I didn't actually do anything. I didn't know it was diabetes from at least set, it started in September, where I wanted to sort of like go keep going away when we was on holiday, and I didn't actually go to the hospital until March. Um, it was March the first, and so, and so. In between that time, I obviously had symptoms and I was still sort of like battling away with it. And no doubt my blood sugars would have been, you know, when they tested it, they was at 32. So the range would have quite easily probably taken me into the 40s, you know. Um, I, I, my, my own 
understanding, you know, from my own experiences, show me that it, unless you eat the right things, your blood sugars won't go down. Um, but you have an, but they'll quite easily go up, you know, and then they'll and then they'll sort of like average out at a higher rate. And if you progressively put the wrong things into your body, they'll average out at a higher rate again. And that's when I think people push up to, um, you know, these sort of levels. And exactly right, you know, when when these things happen to me, I didn't go to the I didn't go to the doctor. I, I researched it myself. I asked questions. I went and see, you know, other other alternative professionals and, and and found out other bits of information, you know, that helped me along the way and, and took herbal remedies instead of something that potentially might be uh, a bit evasive to, to what I was trying to achieve. Yeah, it was good to hear your, uh, your story. Oh, that's a lot of feedback. <laughs> feedback, where's that coming from? I don't know. It's gone, it's gone now. Okay, good. Yeah, I think generically, over a period of many, many years, and in many areas of the way that we we live, we are brainwashed by the system to believe that there is there's only one way of looking at problems. It doesn't matter if you talk about diabetes or health in general or viruses or uh, physics. All of these areas, people are taught from the day they're born that this is. This is what how it is. This is how it is. So this is how physics is. So things like the ether, there's lots of theory about the ether and how, you know, lots of physical things can be explained in a different way. And, mm. uh, but people like Boscovich and Tesla, et cetera, in that domain are sidelined by this mainstream propaganda, basically. And that discourages people from going away and considering other alternatives, because most of these things are theories, just like they've got at the moment with the viruses. There, is, there are other theories about viruses, about what they are, what their function is, and how, how we deal with them as human beings. Hmm. The brain theory being a typical example that con- contradicts or gives an alternative view to germ theory. And yet, when we teach our doctors in that domain, they are taught that this this germ theory is the truth and you will co- adhere to that truth whatever evidence comes your way you'll just push that aside and this is how it is and if you don't conform we'll punish you or you won't be able to earn a living and that's right this is what drives the, the the sort of inability of people to believe that there are other ways of dealing with things and alex is, is a fantastic example of where the mainstream will say this is type 1 diabetes this is what causes it this is the solution and and there's no other way of looking at it. But Alex has proven here that you can actually go away, independently research, take other views, homeopathic views, natural medicines, just different views that may be nearer to the truth, but that have been brainwashed out of the mainstream so that they'll never even consider it. So it's very refreshing to see people like Alex coming forward and explaining the way that they found health. Mm. Again, you know, I have to agree. Obviously, I got an, an element of help, um, you know, initially, and and I, I but I also had a bit of research behind me as well, um, and it was just sort of like that where you where you are where you are. There's certain things that have happened in my life where I've had to sort of like take control, and 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 find out what needed to be done. Um, you know, even even with regards to blood clots, um, as I said before, when you first look at blood clots, there it's devastating information. You know, you're not going to get your lungs back. You you feel as you know if you if you read all of that information and you take it on mentally, it sort of like can have it could potentially have a play. But where I was sort of like so determined to try and make my lungs recover, get myself back to full fitness. And and I also had family, you know, my, my boy had been born. So I needed to get back to full fitness. So that's what that's what really drove me on, you know, in, in that in that regard. Um, but, yeah. To me, you know, my my, my the doctor well, I see at the hospital, I think that she's got a bit of an understanding of what I've tried to do 
and it's just like the GAD antibody type scenario. You, I sort of like nullified what had gone on then. She sort of like said, you know, three to five years and all of a sudden, you know, six to 10 weeks later, the GAD antibody had reduced itself and, you know, I've never really had a, a blood test since, you know. They wanted to, to go into the, to, to, into, into the hospital to have blood tests, but um, I won't be wearing a mask to go in there, you know what I mean? It's sort of like pretty simple. If I need a blood test, I'll, I'll, I'll go and get one, you know. There's, there's plenty out there where you can actually check the levels yourself to see where you're at. Um, but my doctor, or the, 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 the hospital doctor, I think she's got a bit of an understanding and it brings us on to the conversation we were going to have today with regards to food is because one of the things that she mentioned was that over the course of time, um, you know, her understanding is I would need insulin. Okay. And she said, you know, it, in her experience, you can only do the food side of things for a two or three year period, and then all of a sudden the body takes over, and 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 and, and you'd end up having insulin. Okay, so there's a couple of things there. Um, firstly, my understanding of insulin is that it will reduce blood sugars, but we don't actually do anything about why the body itself would have raised blood sugars. So through what I've done and what I've seen for being type one, the food element has a huge impact with regards to blood sugars. Um, and when I went into the nutritionist, she said this, and you can eat this and you can try this. And I said, well, I won't be having that. And I won't be having that. And, and I come out there and I thought, well, I don't really need her. I'm, I'm going to just crack on and, and keep researching, keep looking, keep looking. And and so the, the food element, I think, is quite crucial to actually stop the, not stop, but try and control or have better control of the blood sugars moving forward, you know, moving up. And if you can get it to, so going back to what the doctor said, you can only go for a couple of years, it, you know, a, a couple of years, I'm at a couple of years later, and um my blood sugars have all I've always maintained them I've, I've kept books for a long period of time when I went back to the doctor she said you can still do your blood sugars like once a week um uh, and so I, I, I still sort of like maintain my blood sugars as long as they sort of like kept I, I used to keep them in the range of sort of like in between five and five and eight five and nine okay um Predominantly, if I went out and exercised, um, if I did, you know, running, weight training, if I did, um, you know, circuits, cycling, those type of, um, you know, cardio or cardio with a bit more sort of like if you'd be on a bike with heels or if you're doing cardio with weights, I would tend to find that my blood sugars would come down um, and then. And then I then I would start, obviously my six, 15, 16 hour um, intermittent fast would sort of like cut in after I'd done my training, I always trained in the morning. So then by sort of like 11, up 11, 12 o'clock, I'm looking to have something to eat. I'd start off with food and then I could see that my, my blood sugars would go up to maybe sort of like eight, nine, that type of range. And then, and then I could, I could average it out. I could get myself, you know, but or it, or it might sort of like just only be, they go up to sort of like seven or eight. Over the course of time, um, it, I've maintained that, that sort of level. And I've obviously then when, when the blood sugars have gone up, so the eye infection, blood sugars are going to go up. They did do uh, both eye infections. Um, legs coming up, blood sugars would go up. Um, and that range could take you up to 14, 15, 16, 17, you know, um, under normal circumstances, if you look at the information from uh, the hospital, they'll turn around and say that at 15 blood sugars going up to that sort of level, that this was the paid information. When I went to see the doctor in London, he said this, 
he said, obviously, once you get to 14 and 15, um, there's different elements that come into play uh, within your body, um, ketones, and 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 that can uh, that that can be seen within your urine. So if you add a darker uh, urine, uh, if you give a urine sample, that could be elements of that. That's how they check it. That's what they're looking for at the hospital. Um, but obviously, don't take into consideration that your body could be getting rid of something that you've that you've got that you need to let go of. It needs to come out. So it's got to come out somewhere. Um, so with with that with that in mind, um, you you have this fluctuation of blood sugars. Going back to what she originally said, that over a sort of like in, in between a two or three year period, from a food perspective, um, most people who in I think in a limited experience because it's obviously not something that she's seen done on a regular basis, that ultimately people can't sustain eating food that's going to give them less blood sugars okay which is difficult you know you have to change your you have to change your diet you have to research you have to know what you're putting in you're going to move away from sugars salts etc etc um and so it got to the point just just after christmas um just after christmas i sort of like, i think i think it would have been sort of like end of January, I started to notice that my blood sugars are going up. So not a, a, a huge spike, you know what I mean, where they've gone up, but it was just um, a gradual, just a gradual, they're moving up a little bit. Uh, that's a bit weird. They're moving up a little bit, moving up a little bit, moving up a little bit. And so it got to the point where it was sort of like 15, 16. I'm not eating anything, still exercising, still feel fit. No, 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 uh, no symptoms of anything. So I noticed that my blood sugars had gone up. Um, and then they sort of like went quite high. Um, so now I sort of like started to research different things. You know, if there's anything else I can put in my body, I found a couple of different supplements that I could put in. And I got my blood sugars down to um, around about that sort of like 14, 15 mark again. Okay. Um, and then obviously I would work on the, the sports element side of it, the exercise element to reduce them. Um, and then, and then what, what has happened is he's obviously speaking to Adrian, watching a couple of the, um, the other podcasts. Um, and you and Adrian's mentioned about a longer fasting period. I, I was able to I've, I've worked I, literally as as they gently went up, I've gently moved them back down. So all of a sudden I was around sort of like the nine or ten mark um, at the lowest, and it would go up to sort of like thirteen. You know what I mean? That was the range. So and I'm I'm moving the range down again. So for the last couple of days, I've had um, I've done a longer intermittent fast and but and then just had what I would normally eat or maybe a bit less than not less volume wise. I still I would go for cucumbers, celeries, uh, carrots, uh, peppers, all colours, peppers, hummus. And that would be like a main meal. I might add nuts with that as well. And so I would have that. And then because I had that, instead of having an evening meal, I would go the longer period, obviously drinking, um, say, herbal teas, water, et cetera, et cetera. I then watched my blood sugars come down. So for the last two days, my blood sugars have been 6.8 and 7 when I've tested them. Okay. And um, and obviously if I if I eat, uh, that would sort of like be pretty normal where I'd get uh, a little bit of uh, fluctuation. So I'd get it going up to nine touching 10. And that would, that would be, that would be where I'm at at the moment. But obviously that's from a, a longer fasting period. And again, that would be quite, it, I think, I think Adrian, you might be able to comment on that. 
you probably built up to doing a longer fasting period. It's not something that you could just go and do immediately. Um, no, you're absolutely right. I think it, it's if you tried to step into any kind of fasting period and you were eating carbohydrates and stuff as, as your main energy source, you'd have a terrible time. Mm, um, mm. Because I eat more fats and, pro- and proteins and not much carbs. I do have some, but not many. It's not really that much of a difference for me recently to move from 16 hours of fasting to 20 to 21 hours a day just to see if I felt any better, and I do. Mm, mm. And I, I still don't get particularly hungry because the, the fats have got such a high energy fuel, but I think really that that's a good segue into to, to, to Tony to talking about the benefits of low-carb, high-fat, and in particular, you, you, you've done some work with um, people with type 1 diabetes and stuff, haven't you, Tony? We'll be back after a quick break. Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. Yeah, and and I have, and it's very rewarding work as well. Um, Alex's story is very, very interesting and fairly typical, I think. I mean, there's a lot in what he said there. There's almost a book in what he said there, a good uh, talk about various aspects of, of that story. But when when I work with type 1 diabetics, the, 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 the ones I've dealt with have had um, completely failed pancre- pancreatic function, basically. So their, their beta cells have basically all packed up. Um, the theory is there's some sort of autoimmune response which destroys their ability to produce insulin. Mm. And so they are then beholden to to have some sort of external help because when the body wants to use glucose from the blood, it needs insulin to unlock the cells so that the the glucose can go into the cell, basically. So if you haven't got any insulin at all, that mechanism of getting the blood sugar down is is severely inhibited. And so I guess it depends on how, how much damage has been done to those beta cells mm-hmm. as to how you can cook <clears throat> with or without external help and how your diet will will affect your ability to cope with your blood glucose issues and i think the good thing about diet is that by getting the correct diet you can you can take away some of the variables and with very many things in science if you can remove variables from the from the picture you can then control the situation a lot more easily. And if you think every time you eat a carbohydrate, that's effectively sugar in your blood. So you're then challenging your body to say, you've got to deal with this sugar now that you've just put in your your mouth. Whereas if you remove that input through your mouth, you then reduce the body to a a very simplistic self-controlling mechanism. And if that's not coping, then you know how to supplement that mechanism to, to allow it to cope. Mm. And what, what the people I've dealt with, they, they've come to me and they, they have two types of help. They have a basal and a bolus do- dose of, let's call it synthetic insulin. Mm. Now the, the basal dose is, is supposed to be a longer acting, slow burning, if you like, that seeps into the system over a period of time and then helps the body deal with the glucose situation over an extended period of time some people take one dose of this basal slow burning stuff and some people split it but the thing that you can do to help the situation is reduce the bolus doses and these are the ones that people where where they have to inject immediately after a meal because they've consumed carbohydrates and that's raised their blood sugar Mm. if you continually eat carbohydrates you're continually in a position where you have to inject this synthetic help mm. to get rid of the blood sugar that you've caused by eating what you've eaten. Mm. And so the way I help people is, is to stabilize 
that bolus aspect of it so that they're not having to inject their bodies mm. after every meal and let the basal insulin that's present in their system deal with the relatively small spikes in the, in the glucose in their blood. Yeah. It sounds to me like if you're not taking any external medication, it sounds to me like you've got some function in your pancreas that is allowing your body to, to keep on dealing with, with the sugar issue. Is that, is that yeah. true? Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I would definitely agree. I mean, I, I was told that my pancreas wasn't working and it, they said this in the hospital, my pancreas wasn't working, we need to give you insulin. And so, but, but the reason why I disagree with that is because I see my blood sugars go up and down, okay? Now, I, I do see my blood sugars move up in an extreme way you know, at some point, as I say, if I was ill or if even before ill, I would know that I'm, I was going to be feel a bit rough or I might be overworked or or the body's overworked, et cetera, et cetera. It might be something emotional. I might have had an argument. I might have, you know, something's not gone my way. Just, you know, just normal, normal things in life. And those will call, those will impact blood sugars as well um, but the the in, the main thing is is as i've seen these this range go up it is 100% what goes into what goes into your system and as i say i've seen what i've put into my system that my pancreas is dealing with it in some way um how you get the pancreas to be fully functional again. Um, and, and I was interested when Adrian mentioned about, you know, that everything can be, you know, the body's only sort of like seven months old every time. It, it You know, plus the fact that from my own research, sort of like with, with regards to blood, it replenishes itself every 90 days. So you've got, so if that happens and there's so many aspects throughout the body that are changing or repairing themselves, then ultimately you could put you could put a lot of things right and minimize where your weakness is. Does that make sense? Definitely. Yeah. I, I think there's there's a I, I don't think that the medical profession fully understand what causes that autoimmune destruction of the beta cells of the pancreas. I don't oh. think we fully understood science. All, all they can tell us, I think, is that that is happening for some reason. And I think there's a lot to be said for there's a, there's a possibility that if you make your body healthy, then it will type, try its best to repair those beta mm. cells or regenerate beta yes. cells or stop yes. that autoimmune response. So the better health generally that you're in, I think the better chance you have of restoring mm. pancreatic function. That would be my intuitive understand yeah. what would happen but the more yeah. people go down the wrong pathway the more likely they are to exaggerate the problem that they've got and end up with a pancreas that doesn't work in any way shape or form well, see my uh, my my you know philosophy around that is that from what i was told with regards to food i can still eat rice i can still have milk i can still have potatoes you know, I can only have this this much amount of rice on a plate. Do you know what I mean? And I said, I don't want that that much rice. I'm not going to eat that rice. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to go for alternatives. So the, I don't think that people that are, you know, in, in my experience and what I've seen is that people that are having to take insulin do nothing with their diet, they carry on eating. Because the hospital will turn around and say, yeah, just carry on eating like a normal, normal eat and drink like you have been and take the insulin levels and that's going to reduce your your blood yeah. sugar. But yeah. it, but then if you the reason why if people sort of like if you if you re, if you know if you're looking, people will turn around and say that insulin going into the body could, could have a longer term problem later on down the line and then if you look at diabetes they associate it with amputation they're associated with loss of loss of sight um you know there's so again if you go and google it and you don't you're you're, you're going to go and find this information 
you're gonna it's gonna it's there in front of you it leads on to this it leads on to heart failure it leads on to all sorts well in my opinion it doesn't have to be that you you can you can you can you can you can slow that process down and potentially again my belief stop that process yeah yeah uh, that but you have to take control of what you're eating and you're going to have to go and find this information out through you know um alternative holistic professionals because they're the ones that know the information. That's 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 that's, that's, that's why I was interested in speaking to you, Tony, because I was I was mesmerised by what you did. You know, it was, and I could see the, the level of information that you that you've given to yourself. Um, what was was amazing. It it was amazing. It was brilliant. You know, and and you've got that you've got that ability and you've got that knowledge to be able to say, right, I'm going to look at it like this. And I think one of the, well, I mentioned to Adrian, one of the important parts was the, the mathematics. And you mentioned Tesla and the numbers around the frequencies, it all means something. And, and I think that collectively we put all these things together and we can actually move forward and, and you can, and you can, you could start to repair yourself you know it will be different for everyone you can't just say it's a bulk standard blanket and that's it um but if, if you make the moves in the right direction you can you can start getting benefits in in certain ways you know the system at the moment deals with type 2 diabetics in what i consider to be an irresponsible way in that the the official advice that they will be given is, uh, as Alex said, is to carry on eating carbohydrates, particularly the complex carbohydrates. And they're actually told to make that the centerpiece of every main meal that they have. And all this is doing is exacerbating the problem they have because they're just shoveling this unnecessary carbohydrate into their bodies, which demands insulin uh, or adds to their insulin resistance problem. And that just promotes the, the necessity for more allopathic intervention, more drugs. Um, and it's just a no-brainer for type 2 diabetics. They have functioning pancreases. They can produce insulin. All they need to do is reduce the insulin resistance. And to do that, LCHF, you know, a low-carb, a low high-fat diet, is definitely the way forward. It's just it's a no-brainer. And yet the system is has brainwashed itself into believing that they should carry on as normal and just eat the same carbohydrates that caused the problem in the first place. Now, the, pro the problem becomes more severe for people that cannot produce their own insulin. So people who are completely shot in terms of their pancreas beta cells. And I, th I think at the moment, Alex is probably somewhere between the two because he mm. seems to be able to cope without having to inject insulin. But, um, but obviously the body's struggling to deal with the, the glucose load. But in either case, it makes sense to reduce the carbohydrate intake because carbohydrate is not required by the body in any way. The body can cope quite happily with just fats and protein. Mm -hmm. The only reason to consume carbohydrate is to consume vitamins and minerals and fiber that your body might require if they haven't got it from other sources. And so... For a type 1 diabetic, I, I want to reduce their glycemic load on their body by reducing their carbohydrate intake. That will then allow their body, if they are producing some insulin, that amount of insulin that's produced will have less um, stress on it to deal with the, the sort of fluctuations in the glucose in your blood. So if you strip your carbohydrate intake right back just rely on fats and proteins which require very little insulin to deal with fats almost no insulin is required and and proteins very little then you will stabilize your blood glucose alex i can guarantee you you will mm. if your body is producing some insulin now where you can run into problems is if you start exercising as a type 1 diabetic because then the demands of the body in terms of its energy 
starts to change the dynamic of the management of energy within the body because mm. the body can only process fat as a source of fuel at a certain rate. So if you start really demanding a lot of energy by doing some really intense cardiovascular work, you can deplete the glucose that is available. There's some insulin pushing that glucose into your cells, but it gets used up very quickly if you're not consuming carbohydrates. And so for athletes who are type 1 diabetics, life becomes quite challenging, but it's not insurmountable. There are lots of really good athletes. I know personally a few of them, and they cope admirably. They do marathons. They do all anything anybody else would do as an athlete. Mm. It's understanding how the body is, is dealing with this energy management issue. Mm. And so what I would advise most people who are type 1 diabetes is to strip everything back so that you know what state your body is in and what it can cope with and what it can't cope with. Because then you'll get some feel for if you need any external help. And what I don't accept for type 1 diabetics is that they have to live with this enhanced level of glycation, sugarness in their body. You're talking about millimoles per litre up in the teens. To me, that is not acceptable because it leads to, to glycation of the, the capillaries. And this is why we talk about people losing their sight through diabetes, mm. because these small vessels are getting sugared up, basically, and it's causing yeah. them. And sugar, it, the body's got to get rid of it. It starts to sh shovel it wherever it can. And this is why limbs get amputated, because they just get full of sugar and, and just rot, basically. Mm. I don't, so I don't accept that the type 1 should have to deal with levels of millimoles per litre, which are abnormal. They're dangerously abnormal over a chronic period of time. And the mm. people I've worked with have managed to get their, their sort of resting glucose in the same bracket as mine. My, my normal glucose is now around about 4.5, probably, between mm. 4.2 and 4.5. And mm. it's known that if you've got glucose in that range, between sort of 4 and 5, that you won't get these problems of glycation. In, in That's the right. And, mm. and the long-term health prospects are far, far better. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and so if you, when you've stabilised everything and know what the level of the problem is, then you can say, well, okay, even though I'm eating no carbohydrates, my body's still giving me a, a general glucose level of six or seven millimoles per litre, which is still too high. Then you might say, okay, why don't we try a little bit of basal insulin to help? Because then you know what the problem is, you know the level of the problem, and then you know how much help it needs mm. if you get to that level, rather than just putting up with this excessive amount of glucose in your body, which may cause you long-term issues. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it does, yeah. Yeah, it does. It was trying, it's funny as well because with, with regards to the insulin, they did give me a drip and there was, a, there was an insulin drip that they gave me, IV drip. And obviously that brought my blood sugar because I said I didn't want insulin, but I agreed to this. And they said, we're going to get your insulin levels down. So that actually took me to sort of like 3.5. And then I sort of like had a bit of a high hypo start. Yeah, glucose levels, not insulin levels. Yeah. So say that again, sorry. I think you said insulin levels. You mean your glucose levels went down to three point five? Oh yes? yeah, sorry, yeah, glucose yeah. levels went down to three point five after they give me this the the IV drip, um, with with the insulin in it. However, that is so. Is that is that less evasive than having injections of insulin? Uh, that I, that I don't know, but it was always a question that I thought, you know, is there, you know, something that we could get into our system that would actually help without it being injected? Is it the same, you know, or, or was it different? That was always one of the questions that I pondered yeah, over. Well, hypoglycemia is very dangerous. Obviously, getting down to three and a half, you're getting into sort of dangerous areas when you drop below three, particularly. Yeah, and so. The, the, the balance always, particularly with type 1s, is you don't want to overload the amount of insulin that's flowing through the system. Because if you do mm. that, then you will go hypo. And then, mm. that, then you have to eat something like with sugar in it to get that level back up. Yeah. So particularly with athletes, you, you want to avoid this hypo situation 
where you've got too much insulin in the system. So the sugar's all being blown out of the blood and then yeah. drop because you want it you want it to be around about five, ideally most of the time. Yeah. To maintain it in that range is quite hard if you're doing that activity. But it's a lot easier if you're just living normally mm. and you haven't got that excessive mm. flow. So they must have given you some insulin to get your level down from what it was to 3.5. Yeah, that was it through the through the drip. As I say, it went from I literally went from 32 in the space of a couple of hours being on this drip. I went to 3.5. Um, and as I say, that's when I sort of like started to lose focus. I couldn't really concentrate, um, and I thought, "What's going on?" Then I started to sweat. Um, and the, you, you're like on the verge of passing out. And I, yeah. I said, I need something to eat. But the, 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 the strange thing is, is that they gave me a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> which would do the job, but yeah. then send the blood sugars back up. Yeah. And, and this is what I'm saying. There's a lack of understanding. They, they might have been better just giving me a date. And that one date, 10 minutes later, would have sort of like leveled, brought my blood sugars back up. Yeah. And I think that there's that time, there's an element of time where your body's got to adjust. Yeah. So just, just like when I'm sort of like saying my blood sugars have gone up bit by bit by bit and I've brought them down bit by bit by bit, it's not going to work straight away. You know, it, it, it's going to take a little bit of time. You know, you've got, you've got to work with your body as well, you know? Yeah. Well, the way I deal with the type 1 diabetics is I say, okay, I look at their meals, what they eat, and then I, re, I sort of advise them how to restructure those meals to reduce mm. the glycemic load. And then I get them to monitor the effect on their glucose of eating specific types of meals or foods. Yeah. Because what, we're, what I aim for with them is, is to, to have the basal, the, low, the sort of low-release insulin, because these people are injecting this basal yeah. dose, I want that to be able to cope with all the fluctuations throughout the day mm. so that they don't have to compensate for the meal with extra insulin. And so if you eat a meal that, that has a very limited impact on, on the blood glucose level, what you'll find is that the, the amount of insulin that's just naturally flowing from this slow-release insulin will easily mm. deal with this, the, the spike. It just, it's not a spike. It just gradually goes up when you eat something, if you eat mm. the right things. And then this, this basal stuff will deal with it and settle it back down to normal. So they don't have these massive spikes when they eat their meals. That has to be dealt with with the, with the extra injections, if you like. And it's yeah. finding the balance. And that all comes from data. So I get them to monitor, do their pricks, find out what, what foods have what impact. Uh, and then they can say, okay, well, I, if I eat a banana... I get this massive spike. So don't eat bananas then. And mm, mm. because eat something that hasn't got that glycemic load on the body. Yeah. Then you can stabilize their blood glucose throughout the day just using this basal. This now, if you've got some functionality in your pancreas, that mm. will give you this background insulin that will be able to deal with these very minor demands on the glycemic load. Yeah. And that's what I try to get people to understand and once they understand that and implement it i find that they they don't have to take these extra so you mm. won't get any massive fluctuations in your glucose because yeah. you're eating the correct food and yeah so if you base um i mean it's not one one sort of recipe suits all diabetics i'm sure each diabetic has their own issues and their own way of dealing the body will deal it in their own way and mm. it's in the data so that you know for your individual body what what sort of throws it off and what keeps it in in a nice stable condition yeah yeah it, it, it's funny because uh, because uh, for as i say for a good sort of like um you know for a good sort of like year year and three quarters you know um it's only been the last couple of months where i've had this fluctuation normally I've, with what I've eaten, I've, I've kept it within that range. I never really went uh, overly high unless I was, you know, so I was ill. You know, not ill, but you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, something was up, you know? Um, so 
that's I've been good. And it's only been these past, it's only been these past couple of months where I've had this raise. But as I say, I've I've got it down, so I know that my body can do it. But look, most people wouldn't really want to just have the one meal a day in a small amount of time, and then and then you know they they want to eat something then in you know in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, you know what I mean? So they're going to sit down, they want to want to eat dinner with their family or something like that. So instead of just having something like, say, one or two o'clock, and then that's the, you're putting everything into your system then and then just leaving it until you come around to that again. You, you My blood sugars will have gone down because I've done that, but like what you said, they will go up with with, with what I eat. Um, but you mentioned sort of like um, fats and proteins to eat. What sort of foods would you recommend? Well, I think I always aim for very low carb type foods, but foods that are intrinsically full of nutrition. So things like if I, if I have a breakfast type meal, I will have, say, three eggs, an avocado and some grated cheese in the mix there somewhere with some olive oil, cook the eggs yeah. in butter. So the, it's predominantly fat. It's got a, a proportionate amount of protein, very little carbohydrate, um, mm. and lots of nutritional value in terms of vitamins and minerals. Now, to me, that's mm. a perfect meal because yeah. it, it supplies the body with vital stuff. It doesn't give it any of the stuff it doesn't need, and it doesn't increase your glycemic load. So you're not going to need a lot of insulin to deal with that meal. No. It's, it's, there's a lot of goodness in there that the body will have to deal with, but it's not requiring insulin to deal with it. No, that's correct, yeah. If you're insulin challenged, that's the perfect type of meal to eat. Yeah. Uh, and you don't have to not eat. I mean, fasting is fantastic. It's got so many benefits, but there's still this social aspect of life, which mm. is important mm. because it reduces our stress. All this being surrounded by love and interacting with people we, we like being with is an important aspect of life. So I wouldn't use fasting at the expense of something that's important to a, to a family environment. Yeah. But it's just eating the right things when you do eat. So even if your family is stuffing themselves with rice and pasta and bread, etc., you just have to have the discipline, I guess, to say, OK, well, I'm not going to eat that part of this meal. I'm still going to take part in the meal, but I'm just not going to have yeah. A bit that's going to challenge my insulin response, and that yeah. will my insulin um, demand low, and it will keep my blood sugar in a in a reasonable range to keep me healthy. Yeah, so, yeah. one or the other, um, and it depends, of, of course, if you're following a certain type of diet, whether you're vegan or vegetarian or carnivore or somewhere between, as to how you actually manage the, the, what you can eat. Um, hmm. I find that, again, if you take something like a steak, it's very nutritionally dense. But obviously, if you're vegetarian or vegan, that's not going to be an option for you. So you have to look at yeah. something else that will give you those sorts of... That's where, that's where I'm at, because I, 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 I went straight to sort of like the vegan, vegetarian, predominantly vegan. Yeah. Um, and that was, that's what I looked at, first of all. And realistically, that's what drove down the blood sugars with other with other herbs and supplements as well on top um but i would you know look to put um look to add them into my body so you know i would i would be eating you know spinach onions um peppers uh avocados you know those type of things. Put them in salads, um, lettuce, um, maybe a little bit of kale. But what, you know, what, cutting out meat, you're not cutting out the the carb out. I mean, meat is predominantly fat and protein. So yeah, what, you, what you've got to I think understand about the the vegan vegetarian diet is that all fruits and vegetables are basically carbohydrates. Hmm. So, They've got obviously vitamins, minerals, etc., and they've got fiber in various quantities, but they are all carbohydrates. So by eating yeah. 
fruit and vegetables, you're always introducing carbohydrates into your body. And so what, I, yeah. what I always try and advise people on those types of diets is to consider the actual vegetable or the actual fruit that they predominantly eat to reduce mm. glycemic load again. So if yeah. you eat a banana, for example, that's like eating mm. six teaspoons of sugar, just like that. Yeah. So banana is mm. not a good thing to be eating uh, as, as a sort of a staple fruit, if you like. Whereas if you look at the glycemic load of something like uh, a blueberry or a blackberry or a raspberry, strawberries yeah. or berries, the glycemic load is much lower. And so yeah. it's a matter of looking, doing the research and saying, okay, let's get a table of glycemic indices for the various fruits and the various vegetables and then gravitate mm. towards the ones that put the least glycemic load on your body. So you want to avoid yeah. the bananas, the tropical fruits and other pineapples, the mangoes, the raisins and sultanas, the grapes, they're all very high glycemic load. Mm. Whereas the, the, the sort of blue dark berries are very low glycemic load. And you can do the same for vegetables. So the leafy green vegetables that grow above the ground, the, mm. the kettle of spinach, like you said, the, the, the broccoli, the sprouts. That's they're, it. They're much lower in glycemic load than, say, carrots or parsnips or sweet. and just by making that informed choice about where you gravitate towards the predominant vegetables and fruit you eat, that will really help anybody with a diabetic issue to just stable mm. up blood sugars. And then it's just the knowledge so that you know a banana is a treat or something to have when you're exercising versus yeah. sat watching the TV at night with the family. Don't have a banana mm. or a fruit snack. Have a no. bunch of blueberries or something. Yeah, so, yeah. No, I, I agree, yeah, 100%, yeah. I mean, um, I, as I say, the, the only difference is, is the, the meat perspective and the dairy, you know. Um, I, I do, I would use, like, cheese alternatives, uh, the, you know, the, the vegan cheese made from coconut. Um, I mean, some of them aren't that great. But <laughs> oh, I... I, I... I mean, cheese is a fantastic food, really, because it's got it's got a nice balance of fat and protein, almost mm. no carbohydrate, if any, and then it's it's got things like calcium stuff. So it's got it's a, it's a good thing to snack on or use as one of your staple food groups. I think anyway. Um, mm. and I always go for lots of full fat creams and stuff because I, I I need to get the cream the fat into my body on a yeah. low carb stuff. You still need the calorific value but it needs to come in the form of fat or protein mm. and and so dairy is quite an important way that i get my fat into my diet so i use a lot of olive oil yeah. a lot of butter a lot of lard so all of these good sources of fat that of course many people are put off because of the cholesterol heart hypothesis nonsense yeah they're taught from a very young age to, to demonize cholesterol and saturated fat and that puts them off these natural, healthy ways of getting uh, the calories that we need into our bodies in a, in a good way. Yeah. And yeah. society has been seduced into thinking that carbohydrates, processed carbohydrates, should be the staple main source of our calorific intake. And that's why all the kids are eating the pastas and the rices and the breads and stuff as, part, mm. as a staple part of their diet, instead of moving away from that towards these lovely fats that make our body healthy. Yeah, definitely. No, I I totally um I totally agree. I totally agree. Mm. You got any comment? Because I know Adrian. I think Adrian's more vegan, vegetarian sort of way. And and I I always say that I don't think you can say that there's one diet that is the diet that people should have. I think people should no. listen to their bodies and listen to their own mm. their intuition about what's making them healthy and go down that route. And as long as they're getting the the basic nutritional requirements of a diet. It yeah. doesn't matter if it's carnivore or vegan or whatever. You just need to get your body healthy through intaking the right things at the right time in the right quantities and not eating in the right, at the right times. And, you know. Yeah, I mean, in, in my situation, I was vegan for a very long time. Um, and then when I found more about raw dairy, uh, and then I found a dairy nearby that I could get raw milk and particularly raw cream. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and we can get occasionally we can get raw cheese, uh, and there's a guy up the road who's got a couple of hundred chickens that run around the woods behind his house, so they're just they're eating the the natural stuff, they're not eating crap. 
Yeah. I've, I've introduced those back into my diet. Um, and in fact, now I, I pretty much have half a tub of raw cream every day. Uh, and yeah. I found that reintroducing the saturated fats like that are good, but I wouldn't have pasteurized anything. It has to be all unpasteurized. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's availability, isn't it, of this sort of stuff. That, that, that's been um, taken away from people's choice, really, if not by availability, by price. So if you take the organic stuff, I try and eat everything I consume is organic if I can make it that way. Uh, but, but the cost for the average person is so hard to deal with on their budgets yeah. that it excludes the vast majority of the population. But what's really strange, I found that the eggs I get, I pay one pound for half a dozen. For the yeah. for the raw milk, I pay two pounds for four liters. For the raw cream, I think it's one pound seventy five for a tub about that big. So it's actually cheaper than buying in the supermarkets anyway, because I'm local to it. Yeah, I think probably a lot of that is that they they produce a fair bit of it, but the the most consumers will be put off it by the system. They'll say, "Oh, it's too dangerous to eat non pasteurized stuff." You'll well, be- he actually just give me one sec. I'll read you the label. Just, I'll be back in a second. This is hysterical. No, it's, it's interesting because. You, you, you're totally bang on with what you say. And there's people out there that, from a budget perspective, they're going to have to go to, um, you know, going to go to the supermarket and buy, you know, things that are cheap enough for the family, like chips and, yeah. you know, breaded chicken and, you know, all these all these things that you could just bang in the oven and, and that's it. And they don't come with the best nutrition value, you know? You know what's funny with this? There's always a label on this, and this particular one hasn't got a label on it, but it basically says you shouldn't drink it because it's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and, and the guy, he's been, he's been selling this for 60-odd years, and he's constantly being attacked by the ministry. He has to pay for loads of tests every year. His herd has never been inoculated. They don't spray any chemicals on the land. It's all, all natural fertilizer from the cattle. But he, again, most of what he sells goes to, the, goes to be put into normal pasteurization. But if you go to his place at the garage, you can buy in a little fridge at the front everything you want. Yeah. I, I and there actually, there are resources. There's plenty of places around the UK. There's a, there's a raw milk uh, website you can go on. But I just need to go back, put this back in the fridge again, so I'll see you in a sec. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. I hope you're getting something of value out of this, uh, Alex. It's brilliant to talk to you. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm really... Um... I'm really interested to get your 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 views on on different things and and there are there are been certain things that I've taken out of my diet which potentially you know I could have a look at you know and and see if I can incorporate them again because as you say they're not gonna they're not gonna um, they're not gonna impact my blood sugars but obviously from a taste perspective you can you know bring them back in which is good I mean I look at uh, low glycemic uh, index fruits and and, and I, I, I i do like a banana you know what i mean but again it would be like i might it might be part of a juice in that respect it might just be half a banana um you know if my blood sugars were to go low i bet it's only really had a couple of occasions where it have been low I've, I've always had a couple of dates to hand which would sort of like regulate it quite quickly give you a natural sugar but yeah. I was I've always been under the impression that um, from a fruit perspective, there's a difference between sugar and fructose. Um, you know, going in so it's less evasive. It goes straight into the cell. Um, it you know it doesn't it doesn't need so much um, effort for the body to sort of like digest it, process it. So, but again, I would be looking at raspberries, blueberries blackberries um strawberries you know those type of things well what you want to look at is the these sugars is a general generic term for these substances i mean in milk the sugar is lactose for example the white stuff Mm. people put in their tea is sucrose and that's made up of glucose and fructose combined if you like and the body deals with various sugars in different ways. Most of them are dealt in the same way as glucose. Glucose is the sort of currency of the, the blood sugar, if you like. Fructose mm. is actually a toxin, if, it, if you think about it, because it, it, it can't go straight into the system and be used as fuel. It has to go to the liver to be processed. It's very much like yeah. alcohol. It has to go to the liver to be processed. So in that yeah. way, fructose is almost toxic. And most 
most of the sugar composition of fruit is fructose. And so when you eat this, this fruit, that, that all of the sugar doesn't go. So the glucose component will go into the blood directly almost, but the fructose component will go via the liver to be rejigged, if you like. Mm. Uh, and this is why um, alcoholics get fatty liver disease, because the alcohol has to go to the liver to be processed. Uh, mm. And it's not required for energy and stuff. It, it, it's not converted for energy. It's stored as fat. And so this is why you see alcoholics with fatty liver disease. You, you can actually get fatty liver disease from eating too much fructose, really, because, mm. again, mm. the body's got to do something with this stuff. And if it's not required for energy, it might store it as fat in the, in the liver or elsewhere in the body. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I've actually had someone that, um, that I know that got a fatty liver and they don't really drink at all. So no. it, it would have it been caused by something else. But, the, again, the hospital was saying, you know, do you drink a lot? No, and then they, they don't believe you. Do you know what I mean? They no, no, no. Fatty liver disease is quite a common thing these days, and it's because people yeah. are consuming uh, carbohydrates, basically, but fructose mm. in particular. Um, and so, again, you can look at the fructose content of, of the fruit that you're consuming uh, versus the glucose content. Um, and you, I, as you said, use natural products. when you If you're going hypo in any way, just use the natural things like banana or a date or honey, something like that. I use yeah. honey if I want a quick burst of energy. So when I'm on the on yeah. the bike and I'm approaching a hill, I'll take manuka honey or a date to just give my my body a little bit of a ready mm. readily available energy in the form of, of glucose or fructose. Mm. Yeah. No, that's brilliant. Yeah. That was really interesting. Thank you. Really interesting. I've learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the main thing. It's a, it's a fascinating, uh, I, I find it fascinating helping um, diabetics because I think they, they've been led down the wrong path. And I, I don't know if it's possible to cure a shot of pancreas. I don't know if, Alex, you will be able to get away with not having some help at some point from an external source of insulin. Yeah. These are unknown things as far as I'm concerned. But I think yeah. still that the system doesn't do diabetics any favor by frightening them or giving them incorrect information <clears throat> about the best way to deal with their diets one of, one of my sort of crusades is to try and change the basic information that are given particularly to type 2 diabetics about what they should eat as staple foods because yeah. they they can turn their diabetes around because they're straight around straight around in a matter of months yeah known science it's known we've got data that shows that this can be done and yet yeah. the system prevents people like me driving that way of dealing with it it just prevents mm. me getting any leverage because they know that then they they lose the pharmaceutical input that they need at the moment mm. see the funny thing is is sort of like with with type two um you know you'd be put on metformin straight away um but as you said you can you can you can change your type two condition very quickly, and and allow the body to recover from the situation. Um, but you've you've got to know about that. You you've got to be able to do that, and 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 the information is not there. You know, what I mean, you're you're not going to get this from, you know, because from my from my experience, you know, what the nutritionist said at the hospital. It wasn't happening for me, you know. No, I won't be having that. So, so this is the the general consensus is that that information when it comes out is not really helping. And and when you sort of like say to when you say to people sort of like type two, oh, you you know you can change that, you can change that around, and you don't have to be type two diabetic. You can you can actually. Well, I'll, I'll give an example. My dad, type two diabetic. High blood pressure, high cholesterol, psoriasis. He went to the doctors. They turned around and said, "We're going to put you." you, you he'd never been to the doctors in at least sixty years. I've never ever known my dad to go to the doctors. You know what I mean? He's grafted all of his life, and he ended up going to the doctors. Doctors turned around and said, "We're going to put you on statins," and literally said, "If you if you if you don't have the statins, you'll die." 
that was it. So he ended up taking the statins and my mum, you could see he, he obviously got worse and worse and to the point where he's, his legs gave way at some point. My mum showed him an article in the paper. It said about this guy that taken statins ended up being in the, in the chair, you know what I mean, in the armchair, couldn't get out. He stopped taking the statins and got himself back to health by powering his way through weights and ended up going down the gym five days a week. He got his health back like that or got his movement back like that. My mum showed him that. He ended up not, you know, sort of I said, I don't think they're doing you any favours. He decided not to take the, the statins anymore. I just said to him, look, Dad, I, I can't sort of say to my dad, take these supplements and these spices and this does this and this does this because he's too old school. And and I said to him, look, let's simplify it. Eat this in the morning, eat this in the afternoon, eat this in the evening, everything will go. He said, okay, then I'll do it. He did it for about four months. He went back to the hospital, he went back to the doctors, he did a blood test. So it was approximately sort of like four and a half months later. He goes in, he sees the, the doctor. She turns around and says, um, thanks for coming in. You, you, the good news is you, you've lost two and a half stone. We've done your blood tests. You're no longer diabetic, type two. Um, we've got your blood pressure results. Your, your blood pressure's gone back to normal and your cholesterol level's gone back to normal. So he, she said, she said, she said, I can't. She said, I can see that your psoriasis has gone down, and I can't tell you how well you look. So she said, so how are you getting on with the statins? He said, well, funny, she mentioned it. I've not taken them. <laughs> and, and she said, oh, oh, well, you can't just not take the statins. He said, well, I've just started taking them, so I just stopped taking them. So, it, so, so they said. Um, they said, well, um, what, what, can I ask, what, what, what did you do? My boy told me what to eat. She said, well, I'll maybe come back in about six months and let me see how you're getting on. Yeah, amazing. Well, it's very similar to my story in many ways because the statins were the, the centrepiece of my ill health. Um, and I had a very similar journey to your father, I think. Um, mm. but, um, yeah, I think that's one of the main problems we've got in the, in the medical world at the moment is the statin issue. Mm. There's people have been put on those things that, damaging their bodies not helping them in any way at all mm. so we need to dispel the cholesterol heart hypothesis once and for all and move on from that i think yeah definitely we could wrap it up now if you guys want that was absolutely amazing thank you yeah yeah i'm on whatever you want to do adrian don't mind yeah Okay, well, well, we'll call it we'll call it a final on this one, but let's do another one shortly because that was interesting, and I think we have much more to talk about. Yeah, 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 brilliant. Yeah, definitely. I've got your email as well, Tony, um, yeah. which Adrian gave me. I, I might contact you about some different foods and stuff like that to get your opinion on it, see what you think. Yeah, I'd love to, love to help out with that. Mm, brilliant. Yeah, right. You guys are brilliant. Thank you. Thank you very much. Take care, guys. Take care. See, see you, you later. Ta-da. Ta-da. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.